Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Clip and Roll. I'm your host, Justin Russo. And joining me tonight... As we record this on a Monday evening in the middle of August in sweltering Southern California is Tomer Azarly of Clutch Points. Tomer, I haven't really talked to you much like voice wise. It's always like mostly through text or when we sit kind of in the same plane together. So it's nice to, you know, kind of finally talk to you somewhat again. My voice has changed since then. Why are you like a mix between Kermit the Frog and Pee Wee Herman? I was, I was, I was, it was like a half-assed Tim the Bear from, from Cleveland show. Oh yeah. Um, I, I could do that if I wanted to I go a little in depth on that. Uh, hey, Justin, it's good to finally talk to you, my friend. You know, if I actually close my eyes, that sounds a little bit like him. You see, you see, I've been working on it. Pandemic got me doing weird things, man. It's been a rough off season <laughs> for you, I believe. <laughs> yes, it has, Justin. Yes, it has. Oh man. What you been up to? You do anything fun? Um no, I'm I'm avoiding I'm avoiding a virus that's out there right now. I've been going to uh went to a wedding. I went to uh Hawaii was before the playoffs, so not really no. Supposed to visit my friend up in Seattle in a couple weeks, but kind of see when I go do that. But otherwise, no, I'm I'm just I'm just trying to enjoy this California heat wave, and um you know, you know you know what the vibes the vibes are. So yeah, it's real great. It's, it's super great to walk outside and. <laughs> be sweaty from doing nothing as, as I mean, we just die out here i I'm, I'm ready for winter i i i don't like the cold but i'm actually ready for winter it's been it's been too hot out here so growing uh, up i used to love the summer but i think that was just because like there was no school the older i've gotten i'm like the summer sucks like yeah. there's like out here the summer sucks like i give me that fall weather where it's like like fall and spring are perfect out here well, it's also why I didn't, I didn't go to Vegas for summer league because I was like, mm, I don't feel like dealing with this kind of heat on a daily basis for two weeks. So, well, you know, it's it's home. heat that throws people indoors when there's still a pandemic. So, you know, yeah, yeah. So, just just great stuff. Anyways, we're here to talk about the Clippers off season that they've had. The last podcast from two weeks ago, which I did with Farbaugh, we we said that if anything pertinent happened for the Clippers in the off season, we'd be back. Took a little while. Obviously, news trickled in early, and then it really kicked up in steam in terms of the last couple days. So we're going to go through this chronologically. At the end of July, Serge Ibaka opted in to his contract, which was $9.7 million. Kawhi Leonard opted out, which to me signified that if he was going to resign, that he was going to resign for like a one plus one, so that after next season he can opt out for the full five-year you know, full bird rights, 35% of the cap max contract. We thought. We thought wrong, but we'll get to that in a second. (laughs) In order of operations, what ended up being announced by the Clippers is that their first signing of the offseason was actually Justice Winslow. They used part of the taxpayer mid-level exception. The first year for Justice Winslow, which will be this upcoming season, is 3.9 million. The following year is 4.1 million. Quick math tells you, hey, that's two years, $8 million. There's no player option, no team option, no options of any kind on that deal. Justice Winslow's locked into a two-year contract. Uh Tomer, like, I get the signing. A young-ish guy 
who has a track record in the league of being a very, very, very good defender with a wishy-washy shot that if he's healthy, looks good and goes in. And when he hasn't been healthy, he just, you know, doesn't play. And he's had a hip issue last year and he required, I believe, hip replacement surgery, which when you're his age, which I believe is like 25 years old, you never really want to hear that a guy had hip replacement surgery in his mid-20s, but hey. So it's the type of flyer, though, that I think the Clippers like could be willing to take because his track record, and let's not forget, he's a former top 10 overall pick back in 2015. The talent's there. Playmaker, versatile defender, decent shot if he's healthy. You know, this is a guy, good rebounder as well, that like could impact things. And it seemed right there, the big key for the Clippers this offseason was, let's get younger, let's get more athletic, let's get more dynamic, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, in a year that you're going to have without Kawhi Leonard for most of, if not all of, um, I mean, if we're being realistic, it's going to be incredibly hard to compete for a championship without Kawhi. And I think uh, taking flyers on some guys like Winslow, like some of the guys they also acquired via trade or draft, um, I mean, it's, it's just it's just worth it to see who you can maybe bring back for a championship run next year when Kawhi is hopefully healthy. Uh, I think, you know, Winslow, I think we've seen enough of him to kind of know what he is. He's a, a good versatile defender. He's he's got he's got the body and the length for it, and it's kind of the foot speed. Um, offensively challenged, I would say. Although I, I am, I was a bit um, surprised to see that his catch and shoot numbers were 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 decent. They were in in the in the thirty nine to forty two percent range on catch and shoot threes his last couple of years with Miami and with the uh, the Grizzlies. So if that's what he's being asked to do, maybe it's okay. Um, but at this point, he is what he is. He likes to attack the basket. I think a good – when I looked up his stats a couple couple weeks ago, I think about 70% of his shots come around the rim. Uh, so he, he he drives to the basket. He's a downhill kind of guy who gets to the rim. Uh, and he can kick out to guys, which is exactly what we need, uh, exactly what the Clippers need here. Um, and so we'll see how that translates to onto the court. Um, you know, Obviously, you, you don't have a guy like Kawhi who does everything for you on both ends. Um, I think Winslow does make up some of that on, de- on the defensive end, but again, offensively, we're gonna have to they're gonna have to rely a bit on on uh, a bit more on PG, on Reggie, on Eric, on on Winslow uh, to be more of the downhill guys, the driving kick kind of guys. Um, and, and look, I think Winslow's gonna be that guy on the court where if he's not handling the ball, is he gonna be the spot up shooter guy? Is he gonna be the guy that teams sort of leave when you're making pass pass to the corner? Uh, to leave to, to get a three pointer, I'm guessing teams aren't going to run out on Winslow when you have Batu, Marcus Morris, Paul George out there. So uh, I'd be curious to see how that works out. But all in all, it's a good low risk, high reward move. So I, I don't have a problem with the Winslow signing. It's an interesting move on their part, giving them part of the uh, you know the mini MLE, if, if you will, because it signifies, especially with no options on this, it signifies they must have seen something or heard something like hey, he's actually moving well post-surgery, like with the hip replacement, like he's actually looking good. Or else this screams more of like, let's sign him on a minimum. Or if we do give him a two-year, let's make it an option year for the team. And if it's not working out, see you later. We'll kind of go from there. The guaranteed two years and part of the MLE like signifies to me, and I could be wrong on this. I wouldn't be the first time in my life, but it signifies to me that there is some comfort level as far as the team is concerned with what his progress has been since the injury, you know? Well, I mean, he signed a, according to this, according to Spotrack or Spotrack, whatever you pronounce that, 
It's a two-year, $8 million deal. So an average of four a year. Um, no, no, no options, like you said. No guarantees or anything like that. It's fully guaranteed. I mean, again, at $4 million, low risk, high reward. At best, he'll be a good defender for you. Uh, when he's out there, he'll be able to, to, to create um, – for guys like we like we talked about, but you know if it doesn't work out, um, the Clippers could easily you know ship him off next year as an expiring or or even just cut him um, without without too much you know fall, uh, blowback or anything like that. So um, it's it's a it's a good it's a good risk reward kind of move. And I mean I think you alluded to it a bit where maybe they did see or hear something or, or speak with him about something that. Um, about his health, maybe he's he's turned a corner and, and gotten past something that's uh, that's uh, been nagging him for a while. I think Woj, you know, Woj has been doing a good job of. Uh, Boy, he's carrying I, that water, baby. I don't want to say mouthpiece, but you know, he he has been doing a good job uh, carrying the water, so to speak. So he said Winslow's healthy and ready to play for the first time in a while. Um, like I'm not one to doubt Woj. I'll take Woj's word for it. Uh, but I guess we'll see in a couple weeks, in a couple months, how how, how he is. Yeah, I mean, I never thought I would spend five minutes talking about Justice Winslow, but here we are in the nature of the Clippers offseason. Beyond that, the next official move that the Clippers announced was that they re-signed Kawhi Leonard. Now, I understand some other things got quote-unquote leaked beforehand, but we're going off of a timeline of how the team officially announced it. The thing that they officially announced after Justice Winslow was that they re-signed Kawhi Leonard. Four years, $176 million. The fourth year is a player option So it's three years plus one. This stunned me, and I want to get this out the way. The reason we mentioned at the top that he opted out, and we we both thought, you and I had been in concert talking about this through text message and stuff. We thought it was, all right, Kawhi is opting out. He's taking the one plus one. Next offseason, five years, full bird rights max, yada, yada, yada. Boom, he's set. Instead, (laughs) four years, $176 million, which was quite the swerve, and before we get into the cap logistics of why he might have taken this deal, I just want to say it's never a bad thing when you bring back Kawhi Leonard, who if the Clippers had him healthy in the sec- rest of the second round and in the conference finals, this could be a very interesting offseason for the Clippers where we're talking about, hey, they just won the title or made the finals or whatever, what have you, you know. It's never a bad thing to bring back Kawhi Leonard no matter what some pundits might say on national media. So I just want to get that out the way. Oh, well, I mean, thing number one is just don't listen to national media. They're just out here to create narratives and, and controversy, and you know how it is. Um, I think the, the funniest part to me is when uh, free agency started and the teams with the most money that were rumored to go after Kawhi, like Miami <laughs> and Dallas, were just blowing money on guys. And then, like, the next day or something – or, sorry, later that night, Chris Haynes was like, yeah, Kawhi's going to take meetings. And I'm kind of like, with who? Who, like, Fournier agreed to his deal with the Knicks, um, taking him off the market, taking them off the market very soon. Um, Miami made the move for Lowry. Dallas re-signed a bunch of their guys. I think they also made a trade with, uh, I want to say Boston, for uh, the one that sent Josh Richardson there. So, like, I was just like, what what, what, what meetings are you going to do? Who are you meeting with? The Charlotte Hornets? Like, are you going to go to Charlotte? <laughs> so, like, I just didn't well, understand where that rep- where it made sense to say Kawhi is still going to take meetings when most of the money had been verbally agreed on. Obviously, verbally is, is is the key word there, but still, like, it was just it was just odd to see that. We're like, all right, at this point, I mean, Kawhi's 
going to resign. It, it didn't seem like he would leave. It was just a weird, weird co- couple hours, couple days there, I would say. To be fair, cap space in this era of the NBA means literally nothing. Like, if you don't have cap space, you can still get a max player through sign-in trades and whatever. Like, it just means not like he could for for instance, I'm just throwing, that, throwing it out. There. He could have talked to Phoenix for all we know. That That is that is true. That is true. Yeah, I just that it just seemed incredibly unlikely. You're not wrong, though. It is funny that he was like, I'm going to take meetings and everyone's like, yeah, we're just going to blow our money right now. What like, was the teams that were linked to him? Like like Miami and Dallas were just like, boom, boom. All right, we're out of the we're out of the game. Yeah, and, and you touch on a Fournier with the Knicks. It, you know, it was like the Knicks were just like, eh. Hey, what did he get? Nah, 472, right, I think? Something like that? Something, something like that. It was, you know, it was just like every every team was like, we're not doing this. We we saw what happened exactly. a couple years ago. We're not falling for this crap again. The other I wonder news... if Kawhi just, sorry, I wonder if Kawhi just went and was like, hey guys, so uh, what do you have planned here? Yeah, just, just want to know if I should join you guys. Gets the gets the blueprint, comes back to the Clippers. All right, guys, here's a plan. This is what this kind of this guy's this team's gonna do. This is what this team's gonna do. Boom. Yeah, I mean, who the hell knows? I'm just I being mean, galaxy Kawhi. brain. <laughs> I know. Kawhi's an interesting cat. you gotta you gotta appreciate it. Um Reggie Jackson resigns two years, twenty two million. Big uh, resign- government. That's right. Big Gubby, baby. Uh, they re-signed him with his early bird rights. The market for him kind of dried up. But also, I don't really think he was ever really going anywhere else. Yeah, I think most teams assumed he was coming back. I, I don't think there was any. I think there were some teams with interest, but it wasn't that that serious because everyone knew he was going to return. Yeah, they just the Clippers were just like, eh, go see what you can get. And if you get more and you want to go there, fine. That's awesome. And if not, you can always cut. Like they, like Reggie went into the offseason knowing exactly how much the Clippers could give him. And that's why the discussion was probably fairly simple for him. Yeah. Um, Nick Batum. This was kind of the shocker out of all the stuff because, you know, there, there was reports that Nick Batum could have gotten more money from Golden State. And it's kind of iffy on if Golden State offered him more money. But, you know, there were contender-type teams. And I'm not saying the Clippers aren't a contender. It just depends on if Kawhi is able to get back on the floor this year. But there were contender-type teams that were really heavily looking into Nick Batum. And he comes back to the Clippers on, a you know, $3 million. Basically, he comes back for two years, you know, $6.5 million. Second year is a player option. So that's a big coup for the Clippers to get him back because there were some. And, you know, I was kind of in that same boat who were like, damn, like, they got this amazing year from Nick Batum. He literally led them in minutes played this year, which no one saw coming. <laughs> oh, and did he? I, f- I forgot he, about that set. Wow. Yeah, he did. And they're about to lose him, you know, and it's going to suck. And then he resigns, and you're like, oh, everything's all right in the world again. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the the one player everyone was worried about losing um, because of his relationship with um, Rudy Gobert and the Utah Jazz. Um, I think he has a good, res- a good amount of respect for the Miami Heat organization, and I think they considered him as well. Um, I know Golden State, obviously. I think I, I honestly think he may have gone there last year if Clay Thompson was healthy. Um, I, I think there was a chance he, he may have gone there, but um, you know the Clippers, the got I, I'll say get, got lucky out of it and got him, and uh, we, we've seen a good relationship for him so far. So happy to see Nick Batum back. He was a guy who. Uh, like you said, led them in minutes, but just was really just their French army knife. Like he did literally any and any anything and everything that they asked of him throughout the season, whether it was starting, coming off the bench, 
uh, playing the five in the playoffs, uh, just knocking down threes, cutting more. It was just he was all over the place, and he he performed at a very high level. I think until he sort of just ran out of gas down in the playoffs after being asked to play so much. So, um, happy to see him back. He, he he's a great dude, nice guy, um, and I think you know this team. Obviously, Kawhi. We'll see what happens with him, but I think this team wanted another year or two to try and run it back and try and try and compete for a title um, whenever Kawhi is able to come back. The other big news is that they actually signed all three of their rookies. They signed a first-round pick, Keon Johnson, on August 6th. They signed uh, Jason Preston and Brandon Boston Jr. on August 9th. Now, the interesting part about this is Preston and Boston were both second-round picks, and according to reports, the Clippers used part of their mid-level exception on both players. Um, this is really interesting, which means, by the way, when I mention that, it means... Justice Winslow did not get the full taxpayer mid-level exception from the Clippers. As I mentioned, Winslow got 3.9 million. The Clippers had a non had a taxpayer mid-level ex- uh, exception of 5.9 million. So there's essentially $2 million of a difference there. Well, that money went to Jason Preston and Brandon Boston Jr. Okay. And Brandon Boston Jr. per Keith Smith got the most guaranteed salary, two and a half million dollars, of any player in draft history that was picked after the 50th pick. So that tells you how much they believed in him. Those three were on the team's summer league roster. And Tomer, summer league is always like one of those times we've talked about it earlier on this podcast, but like you go there and it's not really for the games. You really go there for like connections. Like, Oh, I get to see so-and-so or hang out with someone. Like, it's just like a party time. Like, Oh, Hey, what's up? But yeah, I go for the strip. Oh, sorry. What were you saying? No, okay. I was just all right. Don't do this. No, no, no. But but no. Oh, is it? I apologize. I apologize. I I go to the chicken strips. I go for the chicken strips. You you know how they have a lot of chicken strips there, and I I enjoy those a lot. I actually do. So you know, Shaq has a uh, restaurant right off the strip. You see, see, if I've been there. You see, the first. I'm I'm curious why your mind went there when it could have been Las Vegas Strip, chicken strips. I don't know, man. Because I'm fat. And I like food. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, the rookies, um, I think we're going to see a bit of a youth movement this year. Um, I think keeping Kennard, um, he's a guy who's obviously, I, I would say, very tradable because of his potential and, and his, his his contract. Um And I, I don't want to say I'm surprised they kept him. I'm not. I, I think he's, he's talented and he had a, 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 a sort of a comeback year after uh, both an injury and like an eight month layoff due to the COVID pandemic, his team didn't qualify for the bubble. Um, and so I think th- the NBA was shut down, I think a day before he was supposed to come back from his injury. So he literally just did not get any chance to come back from that injury until uh, opening night of last year. Uh, so, so you know, the first year coming off an injury for some guys can be, can be a little tough. It's, it's, it's a, it's a bit of part of the rehab, I should say. So um, I think we'll see a youth movement with, with Terrence maybe starting. I don't know if Terrence, if Luke will start, but we'll see one of those guys start. We'll see the other come off the bench and get some good, meaningful minutes. Um, Jason Preston, Brandon Boston, uh, and Keon Johnson all showed they can play. Um, you know, obviously they're rookies and they have to go through their ups and downs and hit their rookie walls and learn from it all. But I think in a year like this, um, I could see the Clippers really leaning into some of their rookies a bit more and trying to try to really throw them into the fire and really have them learn the system um, on the fly. Uh, 
I, we'll see how that how that happens, how how that works, because I think you know each player can can respond differently to that. Some can face adversity head on. Some might need to go through a learning curve uh, before they get there. So um, I'm looking forward to see, to seeing how they play. But li- like you said, the guaranteed contracts pretty much you know obviously Keon Johnson gets a guaranteed deal because he was a first round pick. But uh, the the deals for Boston and Preston pretty much tell me that they're they have a strong belief in, in their capabilities. Um, and they want to be able to showcase them uh, at some point or throughout the season. Um, when that happens, I, I'm not sure. I mean, we're not dealing with Doc Rivers here, so we'll surely see some of these rookies out there, but um, it's just a matter of, of when. I'd be curious to see how Tylo implements, um, throws the rookies in, into the system when you've got so many veterans who, um, you know, obviously, I, I don't think you can say this is a throwaway year. Like, they're not going to compete for a title, I don't think, without Kawhi, but it's not a throwaway year at the same time. So I'd be curious to see how they balance this act of, of playing the rookies and playing the vets and competing for a playoff spot because they don't have their pick next year either. So, uh, yeah, sorry, I was rambling on a bit. But, yeah, it's just it's just interesting to see how they, how they touch on all these little topics here. It is interesting, and you brought up a name that we're going to circle back to when we talk about the next big thing that happened this offseason – you brought up Luke Kennard, and, I, and we we will get to him in a minute. I do still want to talk about Summer League for a second. Out of the three of those guys, Brandon Boston Jr. is probably the most impressive, right, in Summer League? Um, I would say so. I think Jason Preston, each, each one had something for me. Like So, so Keon Johnson had this athletic ability that he was, really was able to show off. Um, I think, you know, obviously he struggled with his shot, but that's not really anything to take away from when it's Summer League. Um. I think his athleticism really, 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 you know, showed off to me. I think Preston's passing some of the passes that he made um, in midair, which you're taught not to do, but he sort of has an eye for some of these. I think you tweeted that he had that behind-the-back little tip pass to Isaiah Hicks today in the paint, um, the no-look one. So his passing has been impressive. And then Brandon Boston scoring. He's been uh, a corner three-point machine this, this, this summer league, but I think he's also just shown the all-around scoring game where he can – um, drive to the basket up and under, you know, shoot and make, make three pointers through contact. Uh, defensively, he can also, uh, all three of them can also play. So um, I think each one of them showed, showed a, a little something this summer. You know who Boston reminds me of? And this is going to sound a little bit weird, I guess, but it reminds me. Ingram? N- no. Oh. Well, that's the easy one. And I made that joke on Twitter, which I did like a comparison of their first summer leagues, but whatever. I didn't that, see that's... that. Just to say, I did not see that tweet. I just, what I, I, I thought you might say, please go look up the tweet. It's actually kind of scary. Um, but I, I, I want to talk about Brandon. Brandon reminds me a little bit of Terrence, Terrence, man, where like he gets on the floor and stuff happens. It, it even if he's yeah. not scoring, it just, it just feels like, things are happening. I'm not saying it's entirely because of him. It just feels like when he's on the floor, good things happen. And those are guys you want on your team. You know, Keon did struggle with a shot, but you saw the athleticism. You saw the defense, you know, at times he's still very raw. He's still trying to understand the pace at which he has to play because, Oh boy, that athleticism, it's insane. And it might actually be too much. Because when he gets going to the rim and tries to jump to the rim for to lay the ball in, it's like too fast, too high, and it's not working. So he's got to learn how to pace himself. And, you know, Preston's passing, Preston's shooting. You know, the last two games, and even dating back to the fourth quarter on Friday night against the Lakers, their third summer league game, you know, 
pressing for the last nine quarters of summer league looked very good. And that's something I think they can be like, he got really comfortable and that's something I think they can build off of. You know, you can build off of Brandon. Brandon looked very good shooting from the corners. He he was very comfortable taking pull-ups, you know, getting to the rim with his his, his natural burst, his natural shake. Um he's got he's got a solid-ish handle for a guy his size. You know, Keon's Keon's also gonna have to learn as far as he's concerned to not always jump off of two feet. You gotta sometimes jump off of one. Because when you jump off of two, you give the defense more time. You know, that's, to get back that, in that's that athletic athleticism sort of. I think a lot of those athletes really try to go off two feet because they get the most bounce and the most lift off that. So, but you're definitely yeah. right. It's it just gives the defense too much time to to recover. And in the NBA, those little split seconds that decides things. Yep, that could be a poster dunk or a poster block. So as we saw in the final preseason yep. or the final summer league game, mm-hmm. we ain't even in preseason yet, man. We just in summer league, <laughs> so. Um, you know, the team goes one and four in summer league. Their only win came on uh Sunday night. They beat the Utah jazz, which prevented the Utah jazz from playing in the summer league championship game. Again. Boy, how things have not changed this summer, huh? <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't get that dig in, but it was too good to be true. Oh, I was going to do it if you weren't. Oh, okay. Some Potico baby. Um, I don't know what else really needs to be said from summer league other than like the three, like Brandon Boston looked great. Uh, Jason Preston looked like he really got comfortable the last, you know, basically half a summer league. Keon Johnson had his moments. Um, the only downside to summer league, if I can be completely honest, I thought there was like too much Amir coffee. Like we knew what Amir coffee can do. Did we really need to send him to summer league? Unless, unless his agent basically told the Clippers, Hey, can, can we send him to summer league with your team to see if, you know, he might get a guaranteed contract somewhere else. And they were just like, yeah, that's fine. And, you know, but I don't know. I just, I don't know. if I didn't, I just don't think, I don't think Amir needs summer league. You know what I mean? I disagree on that. I think, I think if you can get the reps, you might as well get the reps. Um, he didn't play okay, I can, I can buy much. Him and I, I think that if you have an opportunity to, to, to just, just play um, just better parts of your game, just maybe, as as a leader on this team, instead of being the you know the tenth, twelfth, thirteenth, fourteenth man on the bench, you're probably one of the leaders of this team, and you get experience like that. That can help by your maturity way, or development. So, by the way, shout out to Kerwin Roach for trying to dunk on literally everybody. <laughs> that, Had a nice that. little nice little travel today. <laughs> that just made me laugh. Which one? The the hop step in the paint kick out to Justin. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was special. I give him props, man. He was trying, he was trying to dunk on everyone. I love it. I love that stuff. Um, <laughs> we need to talk about Daniel Tour as far as summer league is concerned. Um, my thoughts on Daniel Tour, and we're getting to the news in a second. My thoughts on Daniel Tour were this: I thought he looked very good. I thought he looked like a guy who finally was starting to get the game reps he needed on a consistent basis to understand what was happening on the floor through the first four games. In my opinion, he was their best player. And I don't think that's something we shouldn't talk about. Otour was good. He was really good protecting the rim. He was good around the rim when he got the ball. I felt like he was making strides. So I do want to give him a shout out. Daniel Arturo, you played very well in summer league. So hats off to you. I think I, I texted you this, but we forget 
I'll just repeat it, even though I just, we talked about it. But we forget that Daniel Oturu was drafted uh, late. What was it? Uh, November last year? Uh, yeah, in a pandemic, yeah. He was drafted in the pandemic in, 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 in uh, November, did not have the traditional combine, did not have a summer league, and just jumped into a championship contending team with literally no spot for playing time uh, whatsoever. So he didn't get to work on his game in in the summer league format. Obviously, he got to work on it in practice with some of the other guys. but So this guy was basically just thrown into, into a fire. So this was his first summer league. Um, he, I, I don't think he played more than maybe 50 to 45 to 50 minutes during the season. Um, and so like, you have to remember, this is a guy that's, that's, that's still new to the league. Didn't have a summer league, didn't have a, you know, a way to find some of his, um, some of his moves and some of his strengths and weaknesses through game action. Um, and I thought, you know, you said, I, I thought he looked good. All things considered, I thought he was. I think he averaged a double double for the most part. I think he was at like twelve and eleven a game, uh, probably a couple of blocks as well. Um, he, he was fine. He was good. Um, obviously not a, not a. I don't know if he's rotation level yet. Um, but given his age and experience so far, I thought that's that's not something that he can get to eventually. Um, hopefully with this new opportunity he has, he can get it. Um, I know he's behind Stephen Adams over there. Maybe he gets you know land somewhere else, but. Um, hopefully he does get a chance just to show that he's able to play in the NBA because he's a good young guy and just hasn't had the opportunities yet. And really, you know, got the raw end of the stick with the pandemic. Uh, A lot of guys did. Uh, Some were able to make the most of it. Some just didn't have the opportunities. And this is a league of opportunity. So hopefully he gets his chance to to shine or at least, uh, you know, show what he can do because he he played fairly well in, in summer league. He averaged 11 points, 10 rebounds, three blocks in his four summer league games with the Clippers. You know, I, I, I thank you for saying and actually outlining how little time he had before this past season, because I don't think people understand like he went, I believe, like eight months between between uh like his final college game and getting drafted. And then there's no summer league. And now you're in a season where you're on a team with championship aspirations locked, you know, fourth on the depth chart at center. Like you're not playing. He got 160 minutes last this past season. Like you're not playing. They sent him to the G league bubble. He, it was okay, but you know, like that's nothing. So he logged, I think something like only 300 minutes last year, if I remember correctly. So he, it wasn't much summer league was the first real time. He really got like, these are my minutes and I'm going to try to take advantage of them. And he was the focal point for the team at times. And he looked good. And the reason we brought him up is because Daniel Ortuur has been traded. No, he was not the biggest name in in the deal, but I, I I don't want to slight the guy by not giving him his time to talk about. So Daniel Ortuur, you put in the hard work in summer league. You looked good. I really hope it works out for you in Memphis. And the reason he's going to Memphis is because the Clippers made a trade for Eric Bledsoe and they sent out Ortuur alongside with Rajon Rondo and fan favorite, Patrick Beverly. Um, it's a trade that some of the fan base hates, some of the fan base is okay with. I don't think anybody in the fan base particularly loves the deal, but then again, who I mean, I'm sure some people might, which is which is fine. It is what it is. I think and before we get into the and talk about Pat, I do want to talk about the deal from the standpoint of you brought up Luke Kennard. 
And out of all the, th- the players currently on the Clippers, I think he is the major winner from this trade. Absolutely. From the moves that the Clippers made this offseason, I think he's the big winner because it signifies to me the front office thinks Kennard is ready for a bigger role. This past season with the Clippers, he only averaged 15 minutes. I'm sorry, I was looking at the playoffs, 15 minutes. He only averaged 20 minutes a game. He averaged eight points. He averaged two and a half rebounds, two assists. But he did shoot 45% from three. He was good as a pull-up mid-range shooter. He could get to the rim. His passing was good. If you look at it, he took 192-point attempts. He made 97 of them. That's 51%. That's good for a guard like him. That's a career high. The spacing with the Clippers helped him. He then knocked down 45% of his threes on 224 attempts. In the postseason, this is the big one for me, honestly. Postseason, 51 attempts from three, made 41%. He made 71% of his twos. He only took 14 attempts. But that's not nothing. Like... He was relied upon by Ty Lue in the postseason. Game seven against Dallas, early on in that Utah series, to be a guy who could produce, and he did. So I think this is the sign for the team. Like, hey, Luke, we're giving you a longer leash. We're going to need more scoring with Kawhi Leonard out for God knows how long. He might be a starter. I don't know. But we're going to need a scoring punch. We don't have Lou Williams anymore. We trade him for Rondo. We don't have Rondo anymore. We trade him for Bledsoe. You know, we don't have Pat as a spot-up three-point guy anymore. Like, you're going to be the main, probably the main bench scorer. So it's really interesting standpoint of that trade from the Luke Kennard aspect, you know? Uh, A couple, let's say a couple weeks ago, we talked about who might be the starter, and I thought... um... I thought Luke could start, especially but that because that was undecided whether um, Reggie was back yet, uh, whether Batum would be back. Um, after the trade for Bledsoe and the re-signing of Reggie, I think it makes all the sense in the world to start Terrence uh, alongside Reggie and PG. And then have Kennard come off the bench with an Eric Bledsoe, who's a downhill threat, who can sort of pull in some of the defense, maybe in transition in the secondary break. Maybe have Kennard come in as a trailer and just knock down threes or you know create and- from there. And Bledsoe can be your lead ball defender. Right. You don't have to. Re- you don't have to rely on on Kennard to, to to play that that end of the, of the floor. Maybe get you know um, picked on as much like like Luca and some of the Mavs did. Um, so and Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz. So uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think that not only the not only not trading him, but but the acquisition of Bledsoe in in a guard and getting. And losing essentially two point guards, um, two point guards for one. I mean, one wasn't really going to play much, but um, well, you know, you can make the case that two weren't really going to play much because one was injury prone, unfortunately, yeah. and the other one was just a net negative most of the time. So the, the if you, I'm glad you brought that up. Like, if you really want to get down to this, this is really just a one for one trade. Like, right? It's Patrick Beverly for Eric Bledsoe because. The Clippers had a roster crunch that they had to get down. They had like 17 guaranteed or they had 16 guaranteed contracts. They needed to basically alleviate the space. So you trade three for one and now you're down to 14, which opens up a roster spot if you want it. So, you know, there's that kind of like that thing. So they had a little bit of a guard issue, like too many guards. Well, you lose one guard. So that's fine. You lose a big who you weren't really going to play, even as as much as we raved about Arturu. I don't think he was really going to play much this coming season either. So, you know, like it's really just Beverly for Bledsoe. And it all depends on what you feel this team, this upcoming season, without Kawhi Leonard, needs the most. 
Right. So so if so if Kawhi's healthy and playing the year, you absolutely do not trade Beverly, in my opinion. I think you keep I agree. him, and and you because that's a guy you 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 need as a three point shooter on that end, um, as a defender, um, and health issues aside, like if you can just get him ready for the playoffs, like that's how I see it. Like regular season sucks; he's not going to be available as much. He's going to play like fifty or forty games, whatever it is. But if you can get him ready for the playoffs, like we saw him, like we saw this year, he dealt with injury throughout the year, but was ready for the playoffs. Um, he could be huge. Um, and unfortunately, because Kawhi's not there, like I've been, I've been talking, I wrote a couple articles about this. I'm just like, they, they need someone else to take the load off of PG and Reggie. Like you can't have those guys be the only ones. Luke, I don't think is ready, is ready for that kind of role as like a point guard, uh, or, or primary ball handler, I should say. Um, you know, neither is Terrence. Like, I don't think you can rely on Terrence and Luke to be your, your second or third options behind PG and maybe Reggie. You know what I mean? So, um, I think once once Kawhi was out, it kind of it kind of just signaled that all right, they're going to have to make some moves to sort of move on from, um, well, not move on from 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 Pat and Rondo, but maybe just help themselves be ready for um, the eighty two game regular season that they're going to face right now with, without um, Kawhi. Um, we still have to see what's what's going on with Serge's health. Um, he, I, I know he's over here cooking cooking up for. For Balmer and for PG, but we'll see if he can play uh, at 100%. Um, you know, Zubots as well. So they need healthy bodies. They need guys that can play. Bledsoe's younger than Pat. Um, unfortunately, you know, like I said, Pat was going to miss games. Rondo is just. I feel. I feel like the Clippers got playoff Rondo in the regular season and regular season Rondo in the playoffs. It was just he shot 34% in the postseason. He was playing traffic op offense. It was just. It was just not good to watch. It was bad. It was bad. It was very bad. And so, uh, which is weird because his playoff play was actually pretty good. He was pretty good in the regular season. Career highs from the field and from three. But it is what it is. He was 15 of 15 from the line in the regular season with the Clippers, I think, too. He was was 40. I think he shot. I looked this up earlier. 49% from the field. 38% from three, I want to say, which is a career high. And then 100 percent from from the free throw line. So he, he played well. He, he he wasn't playing this sort of traffic cop style offense. At least I don't remember it playing that way. So um, that's just it's it's just I don't think that kind of offense fits that team. And it kind of sucks that when you think about it. I, I know I hate going over this again, but um, the Clippers had to send two first round picks with Lou, two second round picks. Excuse me to get off of that. Uh, to get off Lou Williams and then get Rajon Rondo in, and you end up trading Rondo for Bledsoe. So it's like, ah, it's tough. But it's 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 old news now. But um, you know, still kind of still kind of frustrating to look back on and realize you gave up uh, two first round pick, two second round picks. Excuse me, I don't know why I keep saying first round picks. Two second round picks and Lou Williams for 18 games of Rajon Rondo, um, 18, 13, whatever it is. So, yeah. We had our thoughts on how we didn't think that trade was good when we got made at the time. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and be like, "I told you so." Like that's not the case. the th- The thing that is interesting that I have found particularly, like I said, interesting with with what the team did with this trade is in Rondo and Oturu, It's almost like rather than fall prey to the sunk cost fallacy. Of like, we have these assets and I don't want to call players assets, but you know, that's how front office view and sometimes like their assets, but we have these two players who 
we thought were going to be better for us, but they're not. Well, if we just hold on to them longer, maybe they'll be the players we want them to be. And then they never turn into that and you're just stuck with them and you ride it out. And you know, this front office with this deal recognized, no, just cut our losses and move on. There's no part or no point in waiting, you know, several months to, Hey, maybe they'll actually be fine when you could just do it now and just move on. And also this trade doesn't really do anything for them cap wise. Like they're like, Yes, they pick up a couple million dollars in guaranteed salary uh, for for 2022-23. Bledsoe's guaranteed 3.9 million, it's partially guaranteed. Um, you know, he makes 19.4 million in that season, but you know, like I said, you can save money like I think he's a guy in Bledsoe who if you want to, you might find a taker for him at the deadline in the off season, next off season. Like it's not crazy to think, or you just cut bait and move on. Like if there's nothing, you know. Yeah, I can the see them. The... I can see them playing him this year. If it doesn't work, obviously you can just waive him and only what is it, three point nine guaranteed, I believe. Um, yeah. So just waive him if it doesn't work after the year. Uh, trade him if you want to, if you can find a buyer for him. Um, I, I think there 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 are a number of options that they could they could work with here, um, but. Yeah, it's it's another one of those sort of I don't want to say low risk, high reward because I don't think the reward is that high. Um, but it's it's a move that helps the floor more than the ceiling. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It it, it just raises their floor, um, especially with that second unit, especially without Kawhi. Um, so I'm I'm not opposed to the move. I think again, Pat and Rondo were both expiring. They saved a bunch of money in luxury tax in a year that they probably were not going to win a title anyways. Um, I I, I I see it. It makes can I, sense. Can I, just, can I just be honest with you? No. I don't give a shit about the luxury tax. <laughs> I, you I don't. Just, Talk to Steve, my friend. I, I I think this was done more for on-court reasons than than like that kind of reason, to be honest. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Like, I think with Bledsoe, they view him as like, all right, we're going to get this guy who, with a spacing lineup, which the Clippers have... Like, if we put him around spacing, boom, pick and rolls, let him go to the rim, drive, kick, swing, whatever. Like, hey, maybe he scores, maybe he kicks. It's what I mean, Bledsoe's been very good getting to the rim in his career, been a very good finisher around the rim in his career, been very good as a passer, as he mm-hmm. as a driver in his career. So, like, I, I get it. Like, he fits the mantra, you know. We've seen Jeremy Castleberry in postgame, you know, from Summer League, wearing the, the drive, kick, swing clipper shirts. You know, like, it's... It's clearly the thing that they that they're trying to preach to guys, so I get it. I'm just curious to see how he fits in. You know, I could see him being a starter. I could see him coming off the bench. I think he probably should come off the bench. I think Reggie deserves the benefit of the doubt. So that's where I'm at on it. Yeah, I don't see I don't see why why not. Again, I, I just I don't hate the move. It's just It's whatever. They they need they needed something, I think, for the second I get it. So it makes like, sense. Like, it's not a move that I'm, like, up in arms about or I'm saying is, like, the best move ever. I, I get the move. Structurally, I understand the move. Um, but let's talk about Pat for a second. Um, Who? He's, no, I'm just it's kidding. the end of an era. It is It is the end of an era. It is. Um, he was the last remaining remnant of the Chris Paul trade. So, all the guys who came with him in that dealer are, are were gone. And it was just Pat as the lone ranger 
And Pat's gone now, man. I mean, it's been a hell of a Clippers tenure for Pat. Um, I don't think there was a player on the team that, that the fans love more. I mean, you look at the guys he was with in that trade. It's, it's honestly kind of funny. Sam Decker, Darren Hillard, DeAndre Liggins, Kyle Wilcher. They were just throwing for, for like salary purposes. Decker actually was viewed as a potential big time piece for them. That turned out to be Montrez Harrell. He's no longer with the team. Lou Williams obviously had his great run with the team. They got a first round pick. That first round pick was Amari Spellman, which by the way, fun fact about Amari Spellman. You ready? Go for it. He was traded. His draft, his draft pick essentially was traded with Jamal Crawford and Diamond Stone to the Atlanta Hawks for Danilo Gallinari, who is also gone. To the Hawks. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So it's that was it's the part of the funny. three-team trade, right? The yeah. Nuggets, yeah, Nuggets, Clippers, Hawks trade. Yep. So yeah, uh, that was for Chris Paul. All that stuff went for Chris Paul. Pat was the last remaining guy. Resigned with the team for three years, you know. Turned down more money with the Sacramento Kings. I believe he had three years, fifty million offer from the Sacramento Kings. Turned down that money to return to the Clippers. Pat's gone now. Um, I mean, look, I, it's. I think we can we can we can talk about Pat as an important piece to the Clippers' um, culture and everything. Identity, w- w- yeah, without acting like he's an irreplaceable piece. Agree. I think I think we're we're seeing a little bit too much of maybe maybe it's just recency bias or maybe just people are just in their feelings, which I get. It, Pat was was part of a, a, a culture change, a regime change, um, with the Clippers, where um, obviously I think once the once Lob City appeared to head for its end, everyone was like, "Oh crap!" I think Clipper fans kind of knew. All right, we might be headed for the lottery again a couple of years. Um, and Pat really just made it a. A, a fun team, a, a team that grinds it out, um, just a hardworking team that, uh, especially especially that 2018-19 year where they made the playoffs with no All-Stars, um, that was just one of the most fun years covering and watching basketball, uh, considering they, they had uh, two rookies drafted, one of them was in the rotation. Um, you know, I think Lou wanted to make the All-Star game, he didn't make it, Tobias wanted to, he didn't make it. He and Boban got traded mid-dead, uh, mid-season, um, and I think, you know, Pat was just one of the guys that probably just, you know, carried the leadership torch uh, for that team. And um, I, I I don't see how the Clippers get Kawhi and PG if they don't get Pat Bev first. Um, I really think he was just a culture setter and a trend setter and um, re- really made it a respectable place to play. Uh, alongside with Lou and Trez, they also should get their due. But um, Pat was really just a, uh, for lack of a better word, just a dog. Like everyone just, just, he was just a dog um, and showed it every night out there. So um, definitely a critical piece, definitely a fan favorite that will be missed. Um, and honestly, just wish the best for him. Um, can't really can't wish anything else for him. He's a guy you, you love to have on your team and you hate to go against and clever fans now are going to be going against him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's good. Dylan Brooks and Pat Bev on the same team. Good God. It's going to be exciting. Uh, I'm, I always root for Pat because you know, he likes to say he got it out the mud, and he did. I mean, you look at his last, you know, six years in the NBA, guy shot 39% from three on very high volume, you know, about four threes a game. Mm-hmm. Um, gave you everything he had every night. There was no off nights for him. 
I, I think the reasoning for trading him is just, you know, we've talked about it a little bit is just, you know, you need more of a scoring punch and yada, yada, yada. I also just think availability mattered. I think, yeah, I think they were waiting for him to be available to say, to have a healthy run. And he just never had that. 88 regular season games the last two years. And we're talking, you know, 144 games like that he was eligible to play. And that doesn't include the postseason games that he missed. But so many of them were just unlucky. Like I think in back-to-back seasons, he had, he had a year where he came back from an injury and got injured the same game he returned, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, it happened this comes, year with the broken hand where he came back from the, from the leg injury. I think it was quad and then broke his hand. So he broke his hand in the second game back from coming back. Like, cause yeah, that first game okay. they beat the crap out of Portland. And then two days later they play Phoenix and he breaks his hand in the fourth quarter of that game. Remember? Was it Phoenix or Utah? He broke it against Phoenix. Oh, reaching for the ball on Chris Paul. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah, right. On the rebound. And yeah. then, yeah. And, uh, it was uh, hilariously enough. It, it, he got ejected from the game with a broken hand. Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing he got ejected. Probably preventing him from more, further injury. Also, I mean, they were going to be without him the first game of this regular season anyways. Oh, get the hell out of here. <laughs> That's okay. See, I just want to see what you're going to say. So he already was not on pace to play 82. <laughs> yeah, so I mean... Yeah, kind of <laughs> helped your situation out there, you know? Oh, my God. But, um, look... Patrick, you cannot talk about, like, you literally cannot talk about the last decade of Los Angeles Clippers, this turnaround that they've had in the last decade, without mentioning him. Like, he was the he was the bridge, like, he was the bridge that allowed you to cross from the path of Lob City to this era with Kawhi and PG. Like, you literally cannot talk about that era, that, that those couple years, without mentioning him. And that's yeah. that's incredible for a guy who's not a scorer. Like he didn't go out there and average 20 a game. He gave you like seven or eight points a night and the fans loved him. He had so many big plays, so many huge offensive rebounds or defensive rebounds, you know, like he was, he's basically the best rebounding small guard in the league. You know, like how, how many extra possessions did the Clippers get at the end of games? Because he just knifed through, you know, the lane and grabbed a board away from a seven footer. Really inexplicably. If you're, if you're the other team. But he just, yeah, it's crazy. He just, he just has that will. He just had that will. So it's going to be interesting to see how the team, um, maybe not replaces, well, I guess replace, like replaces his, his, like his boisterousness, like his, his bravado, his ability to do the stuff that he did on the floor. Like, is that Eric Bledsoe? I don't know. Well, as long is as that- Eric Bledsoe wants to be here, then they're fine. I mean, you say that jokingly because of his tweet, but that's honestly the, <laughs> the real situation. Like Eric Bledsoe, and we'll we'll get going in a second. But Eric Bledsoe, like we didn't even touch on it. His time in New Orleans was downright atrocious. Like it was, it should have been a federal offense. But they criminally misused him. They made they essentially used him as like an off ball, like third guard or catch and shoot guy. When that's not him. I understand. And that's the problem when you're playing with Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. I guess that happens. He just was not in the right, like, he just wasn't the right fit. I didn't think it made sense there. I understand that, but it's also on him, too. Um, I have a friend who covered the Pelicans last year, and he ranted all season about just how bad Eric Bledsoe was. Like, not even just like, 
not like the play, but like, I mean, his play, obviously, yes, but like the demeanor as he did it, like, it was like a whole bunch of like, don't give a crap. Like, I'm just whatever, man. Like, I'm here, whatever. I mean, he got traded from the Bucks, who competed for a championship to New Orleans with a team that, I mean, I don't know that they really wanted them there. It was with a system that wasn't good for like, I like Stan Van Gundy as a person, but I kind of think coaching somewhat passed him by. I yeah, I just think he's he's coaches too old of a style, and at least at least maybe he has to adjust to the, the new style. But I just didn't think there was a fit for him there. It did it really if, in watching last year's um, Pelicans, you could have just taken Bledsoe off that team, and you wouldn't feel that there's anything missing. Like that's I mean yeah, that in team would have just been actually get better. <laughs> yeah, like so so I just I just don't think they they used him the right way, and maybe honestly maybe part of it is he just didn't want to be there. Maybe 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 that tweet should have been tweeted again. I don't want to be here. Um, and so, um, I, I, I can't see how he's misused under Ty Lue. Um, I mean, they, they gave up a lot to get him. Well, not a lot. They, they gave up a lot finan- like monetarily, but I, I think they, they, they did give up some, some regular season pieces that they, they'll want to, um, you know, they, they'll need something out of them. They, they, they didn't just trade him to ticket off those guys. They need Bledsoe to be the downhill presence, to be the, the just maybe more of a leader as well. Um, they'll need all that. So, um, you know, hopefully they get that. Uh, if, if they get that downhill, Eric Bledsoe, who's making good decisions, not, not making, you know, bad panic decisions. Um, they'll be all right. I mean, who knows? We, we, I think the, <laughs> the fan base was very tired of Reggie Jackson a year ago. Uh, and then he quickly, quickly, turned it around and became a fan favorite. Like, like it was, it was actually incredible how quickly he changed the narrative around him, especially with Clipper fans. So I would not be surprised if, if, if Eric Bledsoe somehow manages to do that. The funny thing with Reggie is like, I remember when Pat got yanked out of the starting lineup in the, like the first two, like after the first two games against Dallas this year, Pat gets yanked out of the starting lineup and, and then everyone. Reggie gets put it and fans lost their mind. Dude, and I remember even, talking. I remember. I remember. I remember talking to you. And being like, no, I actually kind of get why Reggie's in there. You need the spacing. What did I say? And you said the same thing. Like, you get it. Like, like you needed, like, they were not respecting Pat as a shooter. Which but also I mean, as, as, a, as, as a downhill presence, just something. Right. Right. Like, they were doing the same thing to Rondo, too. So it wasn't just a Pat thing. Like, you know, you get into the playoffs, there's certain matchups you can't play. Now, Pat was able to play the last two rounds. I mean, I don't know what Bledsoe is as a 16 game player. Like I don't, or playoff performer. Like I, I mean, you know, he hasn't been great, but it's also only been a handful of, you know, time in the postseason. but he might be fine. If you're not starting him, if you're bringing him as like your guard off the bench, probably passable. I could buy that. You know what else this trade did by the way? Uh, which, which I mean, well, the, one of the things that did is it gave the Clippers an $8.3 million trade exception before fans get excited those hardly ever get used. Nope, nope, they nope. Have- Let me get fans excited. Lamelo Ball is making eight point one million uh, this year, boys. Uh, let stop. me, let me, let me look at the entire list. You for brought you. up Evan Mobley the other. Evan day Mobley too. makes uh, yeah, just uh-huh. under eight million as well, guys. So there's, there's a chance. There's a chance. Don't lose hope. Don't let Justin just, just be so negative and get you down. There is hope. Just believe. All you have to do is believe. Let me go down this eight million dollar range here. And here Please we stop. go. Chetty Osman, Seth Curry, Evan Mobley, DeAndre I'd Hunter. I take Chetty. <laughs> He's actually, take he Chetty. might be gettable. He might be gettable. Darius I mean, Garland. Look at this. I mean. See, 
The funny part is if that trade exception was like $11 million. Oh, it changes everything. I think you could get Larry Nance. Yeah, Kelly Oubre is making 12. Nurkic is making 12. Okay, Richardson is making just, 11. Please, please stop. Please stop. We don't need to go through the list. Joakim Noah is making 6.4, okay? I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Please, yeah, I, I don't know what they get out of that. Maybe they get like a, a midseason a mid-season guy out of it where they – they have a year to use it, though, so they could use it next summer, too. Not like they have to use yeah. it this summer. Yeah, which is crazy because the timeline of the season actually kind of helps them be- mm-hmm. because the trade exception – kicked in what today because they announced the trade august 16th so because it got announced today this will be a month and a half into, into free agency next year yeah like there might be someone who you're just like oh like maybe we can get so-and-so from whatever team you know like i don't know but it, it's an interesting tool it, they just don't get used most of the time but the other thing that i do want to talk about real quick and then we'll get going um the other thing this trade did that we kind of need to talk about is like it's easier for the team now to consolidate salary for a trade in season if they choose like Bledsoe Morris and Kennard you know that's 45 million dollars if you send it out so what you're saying is those three for Westbrook okay (laughs) (laughs) someone's got to bring humor I apologize. But yeah, I mean, if they do decide, I don't know that they do, honestly. I, I really I feel like they want they to run do. it back. I think they feel good about this roster. I do, too. I just, I, I got I got to talk about the option. It's a scenario. Right. right. So, you know, like Bledsoe and Marcus is close to $34 million. You know, that gets you pretty much anyone in the league at this point. Um, Bledsoe and Kennard's $31 million. So kind of the same thing. Like, there, there's... There's machinations because of this. And I understand people will say, well, you could have just dealt Beverly Rondo and Oturu and got got someone with higher salary. It's like, technically, yeah. But if the best the Clippers could do was Bledsoe, I don't think you were getting someone much better than that. So I think they just didn't want to commit to John Wall. Um, Like, I, I I think that that was probably on the table because John Wall just does not fit their timeline. It just Houston, Houston, I should say, he doesn't fit Houston's timeline. I don't see why um, they they're keeping him. I mean, unless they have something else lined up. So I thought for sure a trade would be coming there. And I guess I don't know. Maybe the Clippers didn't didn't feel strongly about his his ability to help, or maybe they didn't want to you know get into his forty four million dollar contract. Either of those are it's um, the health. They make sense. But I thought that Wall was more gettable because of the um, just the lack of fit with Houston. And just some of the ties, yeah, with some of the Clippers players. And I know the, you know, some Kawhi and some of the guys probably want vets over over some Rooks. So, uh, but Bledsoe is, is again, if he can get you some of what Wall gives you, maybe play more games, um, you'll take it. I, I, again, you're not, you're not asking a lot from, from, from uh, Bledsoe here. Um, so, you know, if, if he gives you. If he gives you like 13, four and four on good efficiency, I don't think they care. Like they're fine. And actually tries on defense. Like they're, they'll be fine with it. I might actually draft Luke Kennard in fantasy this year. This might be a really good year for him. Like the, uh, it didn't click for me until you mentioned it earlier, but the, 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 the path for him to get a lot of scoring opportunities is just, it's monumental. He, he, now. He might get like 15, 16 shots a game. It's possible. I don't think it'd be that crazy. But well, I, so I mean, 15 and 16 is a lot. Maybe closer to like 12. No, you, you ready? You ready for the fun conversation? Go for it. 
Who's the second best scorer on the Clippers right now? Because obviously PG's number one. Is it Marcus? It's senior government. Okay, okay. I mean, yeah. It, like, But it creates a very interesting thing where it's like the hierarchy is PG, Marcus Reggie in whatever order, and then Luke Kennard. Like, that's the fourth guy. So I think, yeah, I think before with Kawhi Healthy, it's like Kawhi PG as tier one. Then you have like Marcus in tier two, and you have like the rest in tier three with like Reggie, Luke, Terrence, those kind of guys. This year, it feels like it's PG, then like Marcus, Reggie in tier two, maybe. And then I think you could put Luke in tier three, too, two, tier two, actually, as well. You could put Luke along with, with Reggie and, and uh, Marcus because any one of those guys could just go off for like 20, 25 I, points. Might, shit, you might even put Bledsoe there, to be honest. I don't know if you can put him there above uh, Terrence. I think he can go with Terrence. Yeah, but I, I don't. Mm, it's well, possible. Development of Terrence Mann this upcoming season must be very crucial. I mean, if he doesn't win most improved, um, okay. everyone he has to take a leap. He like he already took a leap. He has to take another one. He took a play. playoff leap, sir. He didn't take a regular season leap. That's I, I just no, want to no, note no. that. I just want to note that. I think he, he took a regular take a season regular... leap. Okay, no, no, but but I'm talking about the sizable. We oh. talk about the size the size of the leap that he took. It was greater in the postseason than it was in the regular season. So I think every, I would the, agree with the that. thing that goes against him, though, is that everyone's going to go, oh, he scored 39 in the playoffs, and they're going to think about that as the improvement thing. Not everything else that he did, yeah. Yeah. and not, like, not They were just demonstrably better with him on the floor even before that. <laughs> it's kind of incredible thinking back on it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I watched this game six highlights again today. My, my word. 71% from the field, 74% oh, from okay. three in the second hey. half. hey. Good times, good times. Relax. Um, Yeah, it's going to be interesting, you know, it's going to be interesting training camp because, boy, they're going to need guys to stay healthy. Like, you can't can't have Marcus miss a month of the season with knee tendonitis. Um, I mean, health is wealth for pretty much everyone, so. Health um, is wealth. All right. Is, Is it, is that false? What is your problem with this line? No, I just... Do I need to say it in, in, in the bear voice? I'm just mad I didn't think of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they have a lot of younger guys, a lot of, I will say, less injury-prone guys, knock on wood. You know what they did? They got so much younger this offseason and so much more athletic. It's kind Unlike of another team. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Anyways, um, um, please, don't do that. You're far-bodying. I'm what? You're far bottom. That's a verb. You can you can do that. I, I'm doing that. I've just wow. chose to do that. <laughs> um, no, I mean, getting younger was. I, yeah, I really think it's just a youth movement. They really just in a year without Kawhi, they really just. I, I think they should see what they have in some of their guys. Showcase some of their guys for trades if you don't want to keep them, but um, let them run. You know what I mean? Let Terrence Luke and Brandon Boston and Jason Preston and even Zoo and. Some of those guys, let them run. Let them let them get their their burn out there and see what you get out of them. You, you never know. Maybe a... you find a Terrence level style, um, you know, energy and and, and, and skill level um, that you saw in the playoffs. So, I mean, that's true. You want to know? Uh, here, here's an interesting factoid that we'll end on. There is only one player on the current roster for the Clippers with a guaranteed contract. This is what I'm talking about. Only one player with a guaranteed contract on the Clippers that is an expiring contract this upcoming offseason. It's Serge Ibaka. Oh wow. Uh, question: Isn't Zoo a team option? 
it's a team option that's technically not expiring. Nick Batum has a player option that's technically not expiring. And he got a player option a- in the second year. Yeah. Interesting. I don't remember that part of it. Which signifies to me they gave him part of the MLE, like a small portion. He opts out like, the next year. I don't know. How, I don't know how that worked because it was very confusing. Although I do think that they were able to. What is it? it was like one hundred and fifty percent of his previous salary or something like that was like one of the things. So I think, yeah, I, I think that's what it was. But either way, yeah, like they. It's well, a very it's different roster than it was. You it's know. important to note that he's still getting paid by Charlotte, so he's that's not right. he's not missing out on much. I was really rooting for France just for him to get a gold medal. Oh yeah, I was rooting for. I I stayed up to watch that medal game just just to watch them get into the medal game. Excuse me, against Slovenia, and I right <laughs> tweeting out. I think France can get this, and everyone's like, "No, you're crazy, bad takes, and all that." And I was like, "I beg your pardon." After they hey, won. did you notice? Uh, did you notice the Lucas stuff with the Olympics? What Lucas? How, sim- how similar? Oh, how similar it was? It was? Yeah, I noted that absolutely. He started out hot during the playoffs games. And then just cooled off significantly later down the line. Now, someone said he got injured. I don't know if that's true. It said he had a hand injury. That's possible. But oh, I didn't know that. It was just it was very very similar. Like you could see it coming. Like all right, he gets off to a hot start. Cool. All right, you see this sort of trail off here. Okay, now he's cold and he's passing and he's all his shots are short. And there goes the comeback. So like, it's literally like Nick Batum. Luca has to be tired of Nick Batum. I was gonna say if he sees him in another playoff series, he might just riot. Can I be honest with you? I do not want to see that man. Uh, I'm Luka? so tired of seeing Luca in the playoffs against the Clippers. So I I I, I did that. Uh, I tweeted that out the other day. I think Brad Townsend was like, Mavs fans don't want to see Clippers. I was like, oh, I don't know if Clipper fans want to see the Mavs either, though. It's like that handshake meme where it's like Clipper fans, Mavs fans, never playing each other again. Yeah, like I just there's no reason we don't. Need although, that. Like, although if, if they do play again, it definitely turns into a rivalry. I mean, at this point, Marcus, Marcus, and Luca got to throw hands. Uh, Boban's got to pick someone up and throw him across the court. Like you know, what's gotta funny? See so much. You know what's funny? As much hostility as there was between the two teams in the bubble, there was like none of that this past like first round. Uh, oh, it was right, basically actually. like, hey man, like that was an awesome series. All right, and then they've just moved on. Yeah, that's true. I think yeah, I think weird. they both earned each other's respect. I think once the Clippers went down 0-2, they couldn't talk too much shit. Then the Mavs dropped two in a row, and they realized they couldn't talk too much shit. So it was just like, and that was a series of the first time in NBA history where the first six games were won by the road team. That's never happened before. Yeah, I so think at like, that I point both teams were just thing. like, uh, we're just not going to say anything. Like, like imagine playing know? three games each and losing at home every single time. Like that's so demoralizing. <laughs> like you imagine being a fan paying tickets paying paying money to get tickets to see the game and your team loses every home game you go to it's so annoying <laughs> i would get pissed i would get pissed like that's incredible but uh yeah so all right tomer i love you buddy it's been fun where can people find you find your work find your incredible graphics that come out via clutch points where can they find my voice too um, okay, we're done. Uh, you can find me at Tomer Zarly. That's T O M E R A Z A R L Y on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and you can find my work on Clutch Points. And you can find all our Clutch Points graphics on Clutch Points app uh, or Clutch Points on Instagram. We just got our account back on Twitter. They suspended us for some stupid reason, but we're back. 
And so wait, we're ready to roll. Hold on, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why did they suspend you? So you remember when KG returned to Minnesota? I guess, yeah. So when, he, when the first game he came back, there was that shirtless guy who was in the crowd, the, 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 the sort of fat guy, shirtless, just dancing, and he was getting KG's attention. Do you remember that guy? Vaguely. So whatever so so that video had nothing to do with it it was the song that the timberwolves were playing in the arena that someone oh picked up God. and filed a copyright claim on and the, got us you got dmca'd for, for that for something that timberwolves were playing in their arena it was background music from the arena we got dmca for that okay Complete that's actually really bullshit like that they're basically Third, saying you almost can't 30 record. days they're basically saying you can't record anything in an arena anymore then. Bro, so I was like, I was like, do I delete like an IG video of LeBron with like a song in the back because they can DMCA that too? Like, what is the, what is the line here? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, literally, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do about that. Like, how am I supposed to prevent that from happening? That's very strange. That's very it's just, strange. Dude, 28 days. <laughs> oh, shit. 28 days later. With no responses. It was just complete bullshit. Like but a zombie we're back. The ground, we're back. Later, you're back. Yeah, exactly. I, I actually use the Undertaker gif of him sitting back up. So clutch points um, can't die. We need clutch points graphics department. I know. So. I know. I know. Which is why I was very disappointed that we had it shut down. But our Twitter's back. Um, we're going to make sure we don't get any more bullshit suspensions. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, follow us there. We'll get some good graphics coming up. We always have good graphics coming up, but we always try to get outrageous with them. Um, and yeah, maybe when Ibaka releases some of his food videos, we can make something out of those as well. So do, do you think Ibaka would make Steve Ballmer eat a penis pizza like he did to Kawhi? I absolutely think he would. Yeah. I, I, I'm honestly thinking in my head, like there's no person that I think has bigger balls than Serge Ibaka. So like, I think he would do it. Well, you saw the video where he, Steve Ballmer was like, I asked you not to do something and you did it. Or I asked you to do something for me and you didn't do it. So yeah, I feel like I feel like Serge maybe broke a promise there. So it's a good thing it was a player option, not a team option, eh? Well, hell, he's expiring. <laughs> they might just wave him right now. <laughs> it reminds me cool. when 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 Kawhi Ibaka, might get his wish. <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna say when Ibaka nailed him in the face with the elbow, and Kawhi, aka Leatherface, that day was like, "We're trading, we're trading Serge. We got him on the block." Is that the that was probably out of this entire season with Kawhi, that was probably the one time we ever saw him joke around, like in like a media thing. Oh, oh, this year or ever? This 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 past season. This past season, yeah. Last season before the bubble, we had the um, the I'm a walk thing. Remember that where it was someone said, "How yeah. are you going to get to San Diego?" I was like, "I'm a walk." Um, and then there was the that. there was the Mark Medina asked him to re, to talk about his dunk. And he goes, I caught a, I caught the ball for two hands. I took two dribbles. I jumped as high as I could, and I dunked it on him. Literally answered like wanna, that. It was funny. I really kind of want to hang out with Kawhi one day just because I feel like he would actually be the most hilarious person. I was didn't I, who was the who was it that I told that I uh, it's possible he just forgot free agency started and that's why he didn't come to agreement early in free agency. <laughs> he just didn't know free agency started. He got told the wrong date. Doesn't have social media or anything. He thought August 6th was the first date. Which is fun. Oh, by the way, shout out to Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Terrence Mann, Reggie Jackson, Luke Kennard. Marcus they Morris. Showed up to, Marcus Morris. They showed up to Summer League. So 
And then Pat, Pat showed Bev up. did before he got traded too. <laughs> yeah. Pat, Pat didn't show up to summer league. Like he usually does on time. And then showed up like the day before he got traded. I'm just annoyed. They got a new Pat Beverly haircut and then they traded him. They were like, Oh yeah, you got that haircut. No, we're out. We're done. We're done. here. <laughs> we, we can't do that. We can't market this, you know? So, all right. By the way, when Pat Beverly comes back, his first game back at Staples center against the Clippers, I swear to God, fans need to go ballistic for that man. Like, show him the love. He's going to get a major video tribute. He, the team already kind of did one for him. Like, you got to give that guy all the love in the world for what he did. So, But the thing Pat is, Beverly, are, you allowed to, are you allowed to play a one-hour tribute video? Because I think that's what he deserves. <laughs> they should just cancel the game and just display, like, a whole movie in the in the. I the, think uh, halftime should be reader. dedicated to it. Every timeout should be dedicated to it. Let's make it, like, part one, part two, part three. By the end of the game, you're like, Pat Beth tribute video, part eight or something. During timeouts, they need to have, like, a video highlight clip of Pat ready to go. Like, exactly. different ones every timeout. Exactly. Every time. I think that works. Oh, shit. Well, all right, buddy. This has been a blast. Thank you for doing this with me. It's been long overdue. I know I've been kind of bugging you about it for a while. Yeah, no worries. Appreciate you having me, man. Thank you. All right, no worries. Uh, everybody, we'll be back soon. Uh, you know, keep your ears and eyes, you know, kind of lasered in on everything. I use the Woj term, lasered in, you know, since you can't say that, you know, things are actually <laughs> happening. They're lasering in on something. So everybody take it easy. Stay safe. We'll see you all next time.